0: This morning, we're launching a, a, a sermon series called Building a Home, and so uh, we're going to kind of talk about that for the next couple of weeks, all of July, um, to be honest with you. And specifically this morning, I want to talk about the idea of the blueprint. Um, everything that, that kind of gets built out there um, has a blueprint to it, if it's of any significance. Bridges, cars, buildings, um, and, and including all kinds of landscaping and the list. I mean, I could have just made a, just a list that you know, had me up here talking for 25 minutes, um, but there's a list. I, I, everything has a blueprint. What's the blueprint of what we're about to make or build? And usually it's because the designer of something had a plan from the get-go of what it should look like at the end. What is going to happen when all of these pieces and these parts interact together and then you get to the place where um, you're done. In a house, the blueprint shows how the HVAC fits into the framing that supports the electrical, that's anchored in the foundation, that's covered by a roof, that's protected by sea, siding, and once again, any, even to some degree, it shows your landscaping. It's like, hey, and this is approximately what our landscaping will look like. That blueprint has to be drawn up and stamped by somebody that knows what they're talking about. Usually it's an architect or an engineer that's been schooled, he's been trained, he's got a degree, and he has earned the right to stamp something. He can put his stamp on it. It's been amazing to me. Um, I used to sell contractor supplies. Um, I was bi vocational as a pastor before we launched the vineyard, and even for a while afterwards. But uh, I would go out on job sites, and 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 in uh, one one day I might be over in Bowling Green at the Warren County School. I might have to go up to Jefferson County check on a school there, and then go over to King's Daughters Hospital in Ashland. And it was just like one big long super day, and it was crazy. But every single project had the blueprints on. a table and you could show up and if there was a, a discussion about what could and could not happen at the end of the day you looked at that stamp the blueprint is stamped therefore the engineer has made sure that this is the way it is going to do and 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 that supersedes just about everything going on because he's taking the responsibility for it um and so that's what that's what we've got you've got that engineer that says hey this is the blueprint this is the design that I had in mind because I wanted this to be the outcome. Um, I was preparing for a, a men's event up in uh, Goshen, Indiana a couple of weeks ago on Father's Day weekend. They had a little car show out front and then um, they started Friday night, had an evangelistic service and then all day Saturday and then Sunday morning. Um, but one of the things that they said is, hey, we want to talk about you know man stuff and what this means and, and what's going on. And because they were having a car show, I thought this would be great to talk about the idea of uh, design and blueprint. The fact that we are designed by God as men um, to be who we are. And it had nothing to do with This morning but i just got to thinking about it and so i contacted a friend of mine that works for gm and because i was going up there to a car show i took something which could participate in the car show And so I had a a model, um, so to speak, a a sermon illustration when I got started. But I I called my friend at GM and he was, the last time I saw him, he was working on the Elante project and he was driving home uh, from Detroit to Ohio, an, an Elante with stickers that said, not for road use, all over it. But he got to test drive it, um, and, and that was wonderful. So I called him and I said, hey, I just want to know, what can I legitimately say about the number of design sheets okay, that it takes to build my car, okay? my 2007 base model 115,000 mile Corvette? What, how many documents does it take to, to go from like zero to bringing this baby off the assembly line? What, what can I say? And, and this is what he told me. He said, you can legitimately say it took more than 100,000 documents to design and assemble a base 2007 model convertible Corvette. And if you were to, if you were to count the components like the radio and the alternator and the water pump and their design documents, it would get astronomical beyond that. It just keeps going and going and going. And so why do we think, why do we have it in our head that that GM has got to be that specific about building this thing and what it's going to take and have a blueprint and everybody has to go by the blueprint and yet when it comes to marriage and family it's just like man just you know whatever works go ahead and do that because to some degree that's how it's approached we're going to get married have you thought it through yes we're going to have a wedding have you thought beyond that no it's going to be a great wedding see and and we and we approach life that way even if we're single it's like do you have a blueprint that you're living your life by and I'm not saying, like, are you going to sit down and, and speck out a 10-year goal and this is the way it is. I'm not saying that's a, a, a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad at all. I'm just saying, how are you living your life according to the blueprint that was drawn up for you to live by so that you can experience the life that God envisioned, you know, like that. I remember I built a deck for my wife one time, in, in a, a, you know, a, it costs a little more when you don't have a blueprint. It just does. It costs more. But I just wanted to get all artsy about it, and that's really dangerous, okay? And I remember she came out of the back door of the house one time and she said, Wow. And I had posts up and 4 befores, 4s and, and she said, do you know what you're doing? And I said, yeah. She said, well, where's your plan? I said, it's right in here. I know exactly what this is going to look like. She said, well, I don't see it. And I said, well, cut me some slack, go back inside, and when I'm done... Bring your chair out here and have a party. It'll be great, you're gonna love it. And it was one of those projects that kind of just kept changing a little bit here and there as I went. And when it was all said and done, she was absolutely uh, in awe and just fell at my feet and said this was the most wonderful thing she had ever seen in her whole life. How could she be so blessed to marry such a man? Um, And then I woke up and said, hey, here's your deck. I built it for you. Um, But it was a lot of fun. It would have been cheaper less expensive, had I had an actual blueprint and didn't have like a pile of, well, I may need these boards. I I might need them if I change my mind, um, because I had some of those. But when we approach God, we seem to think that that's how it is, that it's kind of a willy-nilly sort of a thing. And so I want to take you to the book of Genesis, um, chapter 1. I want to take you to in the beginning, because the truth of the matter is the word Genesis means beginning. And so if we want to know where it started and what's supposed to look like, probably the smartest thing that we can do is open up our Bible, which is the blueprint, and see what it says. And in the beginning, uh, beginning at verse 27, I'm not beginning in the beginning at the beginning, okay? Because that would be in the beginning, OK? But this does, that's not where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at So God Created at verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1. It's going to show up up there, but if you've got one of these, don't ever be afraid to bring it, okay? Don't ever be ashamed to open up an iPhone. Again, I still think Jesus would have carried an iPad. Um, just personal belief, but there it is. Okay, and I'm going to read from here, and we're going to get into what I believe the Lord wants to say today. So God created man in his own image. That's where the blueprint began right there. God created you, male or female, doesn't matter to me. God created you in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See? Before you say, wait a minute, it says him. Now it says them. Okay? There are people that like to, you know, check that box. There it is, right there. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you give every green plant for food and it was so that is the way God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning and there was the sixth day and so what you just have right there is absolutely God's initial blueprint for what is going on this is God's blueprint for marriage and the family God created Adam out of the clay out of the dirt when somebody says hey where did humanity come from you're gonna have to make a decision I believe that I have a blueprint that I can go back to over and over and over again and I believe that this blueprint has been stamped and I believe it is so real that I'm willing to base my whole existence on this thing even when I don't like what it says even then I'm willing to stop and say I bend my life to the word, I don't bend the word to my life. Because if I do that, things end up a mess. Adam was the, excuse me, God saw created Adam out of the clay and the dirt and he saw that Adam needed a helper, so he created Eve out of Adam. That was the blueprint. Okay? So now we have an Adam and an Eve. Adam was the first leader God created and then he created a second leader to walk alongside Adam. Her name was Eve. She was not created to walk behind him. She was not created to walk in front of him. She was created to walk alongside of him. God looked down and said that Adam's got a lot of work to do and he needs a helper. He doesn't need an employee. He doesn't need somebody to boss around. The Scripture does not support that. The Scripture supports that Adam needed somebody to walk alongside of him and assist him in what God had given him to do. The work of his hand. She was not initially to be subservient or subjugated to him, but rather walk with him as he led in what God called them to do. And so that was the plan. The blueprint looked looked something like this. God created Adam, then Eve, and they had specific roles to play. The Scripture then will go on into chapter 2, and it will say this, and, and, and I'll just share this with you. It says, Then the Lord took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden. Okay? He put him in the Garden of Eden. There was a garden. All right? We can talk about that theologically, um, because that, th- this is very important. He put them in a garden that already existed. He put them in a garden, it says. It says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So now we know what Adam's job was. He was a gardener. He was a farmer, okay? To work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone, so I'm gonna make him a helper suitable for him. And just for the record, that word helper or helpmate is the exact same word used, and I believe it's a Psalm 139. Don't hold me to that particular thing. But when we do our marriage uh, um, 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 uh, pre counseling, that's the same word that's used in the Hebrew language for the Holy Spirit as he comes alongside of you or invests himself in you. It's the same word. It's not subservient. It's coming alongside of. It's walking and working with. It's not either or. It's both and. So he says, you are free to eat from the tree, and the oh, excuse me, and the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, you want to know where they came from? The Lord said he formed them out of the ground as well. It says he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called them, each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And that's the picture that we've got today of the world as it began and what God's initial blueprint was. And so we see that God created Adam and he gave him a job. Man, life is always better when you know what your role is, when you know what your job is. It's always easier when you know what the expectations are, and as things begin to muddle a little bit, it gets a little more difficult. I understand that. I've, I've been the employee before rather than the boss, um, and so I, I see that as well. But this is what was going on back then, and so Adam has been given a job to work the garden. Trim it, take care of it, do all the things. And then the Lord God said, it's not good for him to be down there alone. All the animals have a helper and he needs a helper. So let's create him a helper. But I love that he was also given the permission and the responsibility to come up with names for all of the animals. Seriously, just do yourself a favor and open up a children's book and just blot out the names and just decide what would you name something that looked like that where do you come up with words like hippopotamus you're standing in the garden there's never been a hippopotamus you don't have a clue what a hippopotamus looks like you don't understand that it ends up being one of the most vicious most dangerous if not the most dangerous animal on the african continent it really is it kills more people per year than anything else i'm I'm told just in looking it up it's like whoa and when you drive by, you think, oh, I want to pet the, hip, uh, the hippopotamus. And it's like, no, they can run at over 25 miles an hour and they will run you down and, and kill you dead. I've seen the hippopotamus swim into and grab what appeared to be about a 12-foot alligator crocodile, whichever one's there, that had just latched onto a gazelle. And it freed the gazelle because it killed the, the crocodile. And it's like, whoa. It's not the fluffy little cartoon that you see or Fiona up at Cincinnati. These things are dangerous. And Adam's like, yeah, whoa, hippopotamus. Hippopotamus on that one right there. That will keep it humble. See, because then it's got to go around. Instead of saying, I'm like a lion, it's like I'm hippopotamus. What's that? It's dangerous. I promise you, I'm dangerous. It's like, whoa. What about giraffe? Giraffe. Where does does a word like that come from? We have a word in our house. It used to be our secret word. Our kids are all grown, so I can give you the secret word. The secret word was Munderhaben. You want to know what Munderhaben means? So do my kids. So does my wife. She's like, where do you get this stuff? Is that German? It's like, nope. Just was sitting around one day and thought Munderhaben. She says, you're weird. It's like, it's kind of a given. But we told our children, if somebody comes to you and says, your parents told me to pick you up, ask them what the secret word is. If they don't say humunderhaben, don't go with them. It got funny one day when a friend of mine named Joe Wilson, who happens to have a watch shop on Water Street, came over to my house to drop off a CD to me because he wanted me to listen to this bluegrass band he knew, and we weren't home, but... Two people that looked an awful lot alike were. And he came up and he's knocking on the door and they looked out the curtain and they saw his truck out there with his daughter in it who had the window rolled down, who was listening. They slid the window open and he knocked on the door and they said, hey, what do you want? And he said, well, I'm your daddy's friend and I brought this CD because I told him I would drop it off at the house. That's exactly what he sounds like. And Joe, if you're watching, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I love you. And my child said, what's the secret word? And he said, secret word? And then they like, back up, or we're calling the police. His daughter's in the truck dying of laughter. But see, where do you come up with these words that's like that? Adam had to do that. Hippopotamus, giraffe, zebra. Zebra. Or if, if, if you've been to the African continent, it's zebra. That's the, the actual pronunciation of that, okay? Monkey, okay, whatever. Gorilla, sheep, cow. We hear these words and we have pictures in our head. Adam had no pictures. There was an animal in front of him and he said, snake, python, rabbit, falcon, duck, eagle, mosquito, fly, pig, chicken, tortoise, horse, dog. Why does dog get dog? Why is that? Is it just the loyalty and the love and the compassion that, that, that Adam just said, let's just take that other word God and flip it around and put it at the bottom end of the spectrum and we'll call him dog and give him a place of prestige? Because he's got one in my heart. I'm the Lord, but the, my dog too. And you might as well just like, snooze me for 30 days because my Facebook's going to be awful. If you haven't done it yet, you go ahead and do that. That being said, you got to come up with these ideas on what you're going to name these things. And Eve was told by God, "Be his helper." The Lord God said, "It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for them, for him." To them both, God said this: "Be blessed." Excuse me. God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it." Take it over. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That was their job. To subdue creatures. I'm always amazed at what it means to train a dog. I'm always amazed at what it means to to train a horse. I used when I lived in western Oklahoma and pastored out there, um, just because I needed to do something that wasn't church, I would break and train horses. Take them back to their owner. They would be green, broken, ready to go. Um, I I have a falconry license. I snatch a red-tailed hawk off the telephone pole. Seven weeks later, you let it go, and it comes back to your glove and lands there, and it's absolutely amazing, and it catches. I'm amazed that we can do this very thing. We can literally take the time, and we can subdue and take charge of all the creatures on the earth. It is entirely possible to do that, and it's absolutely amazing. But this is the blueprint for families in the very, very beginning. It looked just like this. God has work to do, evil a system. God's blueprint for families included things to do, but it also included things not to do. The crazy part is it included one thing. Adam. Name animals, tend the garden, eat the fruit, make babies, take over or take back the world for God, however you want to see that. Rule over creation justly, lovingly, obediently, faithfully, and specifically, I think. And by the way, don't eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. He could have eaten from the tree of eternal life. He could have. God said, just don't eat to the tree that's next to it. And what is it about saying no that makes us say you know what I want to do just eat from that tree I don't want any strawberries I don't want any blueberries I don't want any blackberries I don't want any cobbler I don't want you know what I want I want a piece of fruit off that tree over there because it must be good what is it when we tell our children don't do this the first thing they do is do it what is it about somebody putting a sign on a door or something that says wet paint that will have every single adult that walks by do this and reach out and touch it just to see if it really is. It's just in our nature. It's crazy when you specifically say, don't do that, it's the only thing we want to do. Even even if it's not good for us, we want to test it, we want to push it, and we want to see it, but that's what happened to us too. So God has given you and I a blueprint, and this blueprint isn't just for Adam, Eve, their children, things like this. This blueprint, this blueprint that we have right here, this one, this blueprint is for double income, no family. Hadn't heard that term since like, you know, I was young. I don't know how many of you grew up like me and you knew what dinks were, right? Right? That's what we called them, double income, no family. They were just living the life, okay? And then we made winks and all kinds of things like that, all right? We just kept doing it. But the fact of the matter is, this blueprint is for single people. It is. It is. The blueprint includes life for single people. The blueprint includes life for double income, no family. The the blueprint includes um, a life for um, people going into ministry. The blueprint includes life for how to handle my finances. The blueprint blueprint includes a part for all the different areas of the home that we're going to build. Part of the blueprint has pages for the HVAC. How do we keep it cool in our family? Part of the the blueprint is for the electric in in our lives. How do we keep it charged? up when, you know, we want to be alone. Okay. So part of it keeps it uh, each page of the blueprint is for something and so it's not just for everybody get married, everybody have kids everybody become grandparents. That's not just that. It's life. It has a blueprint for how to be the best employee you can. It has a blueprint for what to do when you're really mad at somebody. It has a blueprint for how to share Jesus. There's a blueprint right here for you and I And it's really, really important that we latch a hold of it. The father has a discipline in the building. Discipline not like in spanking people, but discipline like in this is his part of the project. He's a leader. He's supposed to be a servant leader. The mother has a discipline in the building of the home as a leader helper. She should not be getting ignored. She should not hear ever from her husband, I'm the man, do what I say. A married woman should never, ever, ever hear that because at some point you're married because you need a helper, not just because you're obviously attracted to somebody. But there's a place to recognize that God created her to share her opinion, to share the advice, to say, I don't think we should do that. There's been two times in my life where I shared the thought, I'm the husband, I'll do what's best for this family. Both of them cost me ridiculously. If I just would have listened to her, I wouldn't have spent the money on the car. If I just would have listened to her, I would not have spent the money on the horse. It was a good horse. It was a good car. It wasn't the right time. And that's all she said. This is not the time I vote no. I was young and back then really stupid. And I said, well, we're at an impasse. I'm the husband. i got to make a decision. So what I say goes. She was like, all right. She never said, I told you so. She bore the brunt of it until we moved forward. God created Eve to share her opinion, to share the workload, to not be silenced by Adam, but to walk alongside of him. And so we have to lay a hold of that. We cannot ignore that. This is the blueprint. God created a man. God created a woman. And there is no exception to that as far as married family life goes. For those of us attempting to follow uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, again, the, the Scripture becomes that blueprint. Check this out, what Paul told Timothy. Paul tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of. What were you convinced of when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? What were you convinced of? God loves you. God forgives you. The devil's going to come after you. We've got to persevere. We need to get into the Word. The Word is true. We live in a world right now where there are uh, Christian people, uh, people that call themselves Christians all over the world, that will say, well, yeah, I'm just not sure that that's true. Well, Paul wrote that. Do you think that God is so small? Follow me on this for a second. Do you think that God is so small when somebody says to me, yeah, but that was written by Paul and he's a man and he could have been having a bad... day, Do you think that God is so small that Paul can corrupt what he wants us to know? Do you really believe that? Or do you think God is so backed off and will not involve himself in your life that he's going to let you just absolutely destroy it? When we planted this church, I lived in abject anxiety. I won't say fear. I'll say anxiety that I was going to screw it all up. I, I really did. People would say, how can I pray for you? I'd say, just pray that I don't screw this up because I, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm, failure is my biggest fear. And finally, somebody was having coffee with me and they said, can you stop saying that? I said, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? I, I want to be good. i I want to be faithful and they said you really think that you are so big that you can screw up god's plan seriously you think you can wreck the vineyard listen if i can't wreck the vineyard i certainly can't wreck god's word i certainly can't and so for me to say i trust this blueprint it's been stamped with blood i trust it it's absolutely amazing But as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know um, those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the point of knowing the scripture is not to know the scripture. The point of knowing the scripture is to get busy doing the scripture. And so we need to encourage us. So that's why around here it's important to say, what does the Bible say about what the Bible says? Why is that important? God tells us in Ephesians 5, husbands, and he lifts all the way that husbands are to lead. Servant, humble, gentle, loving others, submitting, and as spiritual leaders. He says, love your wife the way Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He got off his throne in heaven, he came down to earth, and he served. He served. And so we look at that. We look at Ephesians 5 for wives, Acts 2, Proverbs 31, and you start listing the thing the Bible says that women are invited into. Yielding, submitting, then buying land, being industrious, selling as a businesswoman, loving, providing, um, and being a child of God herself. This is the blueprint of what we're called to. So this is what we need to grab a hold of. Let's see if I can just do this. Number one, we have to have a constant blueprint. If you're building a home, if you're building a family, if you're building a job, if you're building an education, if you're building a relationship, if if you are building, then you need a constant blueprint. This is the blueprint we're going to use. Here it is. We have to agree on the blueprint if we don't agree on the blueprint it gets messed up from there number two we have to look at the blueprint and familiarize ourselves with it we can't just say I know how to do this we need to turn to that page of the blueprint and look at it and say this is the blueprint I know where that page is we've got to do this and and then the last thing I want to leave with you real quick is that you have to trust the engineer even though you don't know him isn't that amazing you don't know the guy, maybe, that built your house, and yet you trusted him to build your house. You didn't say, Show me how to put two boards together, and maybe I'll let you do it for my house. You didn't say, You might have said, Go show me another house you built. You might have called somebody. But the chances are most of the people in here that bought a home don't know the person that built it. You just trusted. And I'm saying, Why can't we trust God like that? Why do we have to say that if we can't figure it out, God couldn't have done it? Isn't that crazy? Who are we to believe that about God? I trust the engineer, even though I did not get to sit down and say, listen, we got to talk about some of the words in this thing because, you know, some of that, it just doesn't. It it doesn't set well. But I trust him, and I'm going to build my life on it. I know his bond. I know his word is final. I have this Lego kit at home that I talked about. Let me begin to wrap this up right here. I'm, it's not real Legos, it's fake Legos. It's fake news, it's fake Legos. They're cheaper, don't hate me. They're cheaper, like by 75% cheaper. This car is absolutely amazing. It's a McLaren, it probably do about 212 miles an hour. It's, it, I would love to have it, and this is as close as I'm gonna get, all right? But I wanna build this thing with children's toy. It's a children's toy with 3,407 pieces. It says 12 plus, you're supposed to be 12 years old to understand this thing. But you gotta have a book this thick to know how to put this toy together. You think husbands are bad about working on your washing machine? How about we just open up this box, throw the pieces around and say, it's okay, I got it, I don't need the book. I need the book. And it's like every single page has these little doodads, like put this doodad on this doodad. I was doing this, and then all of a sudden I got to a place where some of the doodads were missing. I was not a happy guy. So I robbed them from a different bag. I found the same doodad, and I put it over here, and I got to keep going. Then I got to a place where the piece that I wanted wasn't anywhere to be found. But I found one that looked exactly like it. It was twice as thick, and it still wasn't a quarter of an inch or barely was a quarter of an inch. And I said, well, I could just use this instead. You know what happens when you do that? The project gets worse and worse, and you can't. You can't. When you have a blueprint, and the blueprint has lovingly, painstakingly been drawn up for you so that you can experience the best life possible, when you begin to say, no, nah, it's okay, I'll just use this piece from the world, then our lives begin to not look like what God meant for them to look like. When when I'm done, I want the car to look like this. If I start doing it my way instead of the designer's way, it won't look like that. It's not going to happen. And so I had to stop my project because I was out of pieces. And thank goodness this company sent me a brand new box all sealed pieces all sealed box they said keep the other one for spare parts have fun and they and they overnighted it from can I say China in here after the last year we've had (laughs) okay don't throw rocks at me but there it is this book this book is the same thing for my life it tells me I need to be a part of a church it tells me I need to surrender my life to Jesus It tells me that when when things don't make sense in hypothetical arguments, I still need to do it God's way because that's what's going to make my life look like what he wants it to look like so that I'm blessed and I can enjoy it. It's in here inside of this blueprint. And so when we talk about what it means for you and I to chase after God, it starts in the blueprint as we're building families here it starts in the blueprint as we're training our children in the v kids it starts in the blueprint and i wonder if you look at your life right now is this the blueprint is this what you think god wanted it to look like or is there a place to say you know god i've been picking a couple of pieces from here and there and my project's not coming out like what you designed Maybe my marriage is struggling. Maybe my kids are wayward. Maybe we're just trying to keep people from, from losing their jobs, getting pregnant, ending up on drugs. Whatever it might be, there's just a place to stop and say, let's go back to the blueprint. Let's learn to say, I'm sorry. Let's learn to come alongside of people. Where do you feel like you've most gone off of God's blueprint? And I'm not interested in bringing up old sins that you've been forgiven for. Trust the forgiveness. Trust it. Trust it. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. But move forward, getting back into the Word. We're going to continue to talk this month about building um, our our homes, building our lives, building our whatever it might be. And, And it's got to be with Jesus. The Holy Spirit has to come in and direct us and at times redirect us. And we need to let Him. And so I want to encourage you. What is it that God is saying to you personally? What is he saying to us that are here in the room about the way we're living our lives according to his blueprint? Instead of getting by, I want to embrace it all. These people are up here to pray for you. And I just want to encourage you, if you're going through a struggle and you think this is not God's blueprint, man, that's a good time to say, then I need prayer. I need them them to pray down God to change the things that I've done. I used the wrong piece, whatever that might be. And my life is going a little hinky, a little wonky. I want to bring it back. I want to encourage you in that today. Because that's why we've gathered together. We want to be free in a bigger sense than what we're going to celebrate today. We want to be free from the things that are killing us to embrace what God has for us. And I want to encourage you in that. Why don't you come to your feet? I'm going to wrap this up with a prayer. And then we're going to sing. And these people would love to pray for you before you go out into your celebrations today. Let's pray. Father God, who is God in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you that the church is here to share with us the hope and the promise of the blood of Jesus Christ that his sacrifice on Calvary paid the price for our sins. If we are yet just willing to surrender our lives, admit that we're sinners in desperate need of a Savior, that you are always willing to forgive us and invite us to stand up and go and sin no more. Not to return to the pig pit, Lord. But sometimes we're building, God, and and we need a piece, and we plug something in that shouldn't be there. Or it's not a sin, God. It's just something we didn't need to distract us. God, I just ask and pray that you would intervene in our lives, our families, our houses, our homes, our children, our relationships. God, all of these things are under attack. But your blueprint is there so that we can stand the test. And so I ask and pray, God, help us to be a people that are smart enough to ask for help, humble enough to ask for forgiveness, and bold enough to get up in newness of life. We ask this in Jesus' name.